They're taking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. It's the psychology that gets me. Take cognitive bias, for instance. You're all like, oh, well, I've done well on this lure before. This one's definitely the go. Meanwhile, you're catching bugger all on it. The reliability of the evidence is knocked out by the stats. It's just not in keeping with the scientific method. What? Oh, 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 get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome to the Tinny on another week where it's starting to feel a little moister, a little more humid, isn't it, for a dry season? The Bureau actually saying this week that there's a decent chance for a late August build-up beginning. So an earlier build-up and maybe even an earlier onset of some decent rains, which we'll tell you about um, a little bit later on the Tinny. How are you, Andy? I'm very excited, uh, wonderful, happy to be here. And actually good news, I think, about the the increased level of moistness mm, it is nice um, it presents well for a, mm. a good build-up barra season but as you said we'll talk about that a little bit later i've got to update you tim now um since the last episode last week mm. i've actually contacted the rock oh you did it yeah, now he, ha- <laughs> he hasn't contacted me yet but i've seen i've seen on his fan page on messenger that, that it's been read that it's been read by someone probably not by the rock probably more like a pebble like one of his minions <laughs> So, so what was the what was the pitch? Look, the pitch was it's it's long. I'm not going to read it all, um, but it basically said who we are, what we do, uh, not exaggerating anything, and, and asking him to come on the show. But then I, I had to write this bit at the end. I said, Rock, uh, mate, I need to be upfront with you and let you know that we don't have a budget. Uh, however, we do have an iconic red fish measuring sticker that we send out to listeners when they write us a story. Now, the sticker's scientifically proven. I went into some of the stats. Uh, and in fact, one recently sold on eBay somewhere in the Middle East uh, for around $2.98 Australian. <laughs> so it speaks for itself. Did you make that up? I made this up, yeah, <laughs> on the run, about 11.30 one night. Uh, if you were to do a chat with us, we would be prepared to break the ABC policy of one sticker per story and give you three stickers. <laughs> Please do the math on that, The Rock. Then let's take this to the next level. Man, be careful. I don't know if we can (laughs) take this to the next level. That'll get him, man. (laughs) Love your work. Would love to see you in the Northern Territory one day to catch the elusive barra. They eat bass for breakfast. (laughs) Good boy. Cheers, Andy. Oh, very good, man. Well Uh, done. I don't know, though. We've got to be careful. Can we actually offer inducements for interviews? Oh, it's, it's more the a... The tinny flies... Are, it's a reward, co- isn't it? It's we fly by a different <laughs> code, don't we, within the Australian Broadcasting Corporation? Three stickers for an interview? That'd go okay. Yeah, it's... Sure. What's the going rate? Surely, I'm, and... I'm willing to risk my career for this, Tim. And look... <laughs> <laughs> This is of extreme importance. The Rock is going to bring a whole new foundation to the church. And if you don't know why he's talking about this or what he's talking about, it's it's a good time to mention. You might have mentioned, seen last week, Fisho's, when you downloaded the podcast, that it had a new title. We just called it number 690. Oh, yeah. 
And that's because it is around episode uh, 690 of Tales from the Tinny. So uh, we will always encourage people to listen kind of in order. So go back and listen in, to, the, to it in chronological order. and Start it'll make with sense. one, yeah. You'll understand what all that spiel about the rock was. It's only Start about 800 one. hours of listening yeah, that's right. if you started with one. The explanation on that is we were kind of wondering how long the tinny's actually been going for. Turns out this month, hard to believe, Andy, 15 years old. Wow. This month. Yeah, yeah. 2006, like, wasn't it? Yeah, like a, we're like a petulant, emotional, pimply year nine teenager, <laughs> in other words. <laughs> yes. So at a rate of around 46 shows on average, that makes about 690. So we'll start from here. If you want to hear more about The Rock, we often talk about Jimmy too. You'd probably have to go back to, you know, if you want some context in that, episode 567. Hmm. At a rough guess. It basically means also, Andy, though, that the number of times we've uttered the words get a mullet up you is simply frightening. It'd be thousands. It'd be, t- it'd be thousands tens or of thousands. Ten- tens of yeah. thousands, I would think. That's a lot of mullet. Hey, how was the show, by the way? I know you, you did the dad tour of Judy. Yeah, I Record did. numbers there. How did you cope with that? Record numbers, record heat. Uh, I've never seen it so busy. And it, I think we were there for three and a half hours. Felt like nine and a half. <laughs> um, it, it was a dad duty. I've I got to say, I didn't, didn't really enjoy it. It was so busy. You know, I'm up, I say what I think. I'm not going not gonna to put well, sugar I was, on it. I was, I was kind of expecting this might be the answer. You hated it. It was, yeah, I hated it. It was painful. There's, there was only one good thing apart from the joy of the daughter getting the show back. Mm. And I do this every year. And I don't know if Fisho's in Darwin. If you don't know this, he, I'm going to give you a tip, all right? Oh, here we go. He's pointing, he's pointing his finger at me again. That, that first started in episode 623. <laughs> it did, it did. He points the finger when he's going to say something that actually is important. The tip is that there's a stall there and they're there every year and they give out free lures. And they're oh. good lures. So oh. I'm talking, you know, branded with their brand on it, 10 to 14 buck lures. So I did go home with a handful of lures. Did you? I did pass that store a couple of times. <laughs> with <laughs> so a different wig on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Send the daughter in. Did, uh, you, did you see the, the big pumpkins? I did. It was massive. That, that was a silver lining too, actually. I enjoyed I, I, I'm led to believe that this year was not just a, a really big pumpkin like they all are, are every year, but... I think it's the biggest in the history of the Royal Darwin Show. Wow. Something that needs to be noted and celebrated on the tinny, because I I don't know if you realise this either, but I think we kind of have a disproportionate level of large pumpkin fanciers in the church. That is relative to the mean distribution of such fetishists in the broader Australian community, the big pumpkin lovers. There are more as part of our church than of any other. Rudy, for example, he fed his barra frames. Oh yes, yes. Um, Kai Hansen is a former champion of many years of yep. the of the great pumpkin. So I'm not sure why it is that we attract such a high proportion of kinky pumpkin fanciers, but does vindicate our disproportionate attention um, to large pumpkins in what otherwise purports to be a fishing show. Well, it was it was a very impressive pumpkin, and Tim, I don't to all care. pumpkin lovers in the Church of the Tinny, um, get a pumpkin up, yeah, I suppose. There it is, look at that. Oh! I think I've got one. Find the clean water and you'll find the fish. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get up, Mama loves you. <laughs> Andy, first thing to note before we talk to this next guy is that he's a Jimmy. And so he automatically earns our respect and attention. On, Jimmy, Jimmy, I need you, brother, I need you. Run, Jimmy. 
Run, Jimmy. Run, Jimmy. I'd aspire to be a Jimmy. Agreed? Agreed. And if you don't know what that's about, then perhaps go back and listen to the previous 690 episodes of The Tinny. You'll need to listen to all 690 before today's 691. For that to make sense. To, for the whole evolution of Jimmy um, to have some context, yeah. Now, the second thing is that he's got a new boat. Uh, and he's fished every weekend this year except for two, Tim. Every weekend except two? And last year he only missed three weekends. He's, he's pretty three committed. Three weekends in a whole year? Yeah. How does that sort of elevate the respect spectrum there, or the envy spectrum? Well, it's the admiration versus en- envy spectrum, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. The third thing, actually, is that this bloke's name is Jackpot. Supposedly for his innate ability to turn a relatively small amount of money into large amounts of money. Through, I guess, Andy, let's call them... Uh, entertainment venue investment decisions. Oh, yes. But this does have relevance to fishing, I assure you. True to form, Jackpot used his uh, long weekend wisely last week, blooding his, his new steed with Barra. Uh, g'day to you, Jackpot. We'll, we'll come to your name later, mate, but you hit saltwater arm on Friday, firstly. Yeah, hit saltwater arm. It was um, building tides and uh, had a fair bit of fun, but it, they were a bit hard, but got a few in the end. So the fish were there. Um, what, what did you just tell us what you saw first? And then in terms of the bit hard bit, how did you unhard it? <laughs> he's, a consummate, he, he's, a, he's a consummate professional. How did you unhard it? And it, and it was just time. <laughs> yeah, we got there just after high tide and um, we could see a lot of fish on the sounders at the mouth of the, our, a lot of our coastal creeks up Cape Potham Way. And uh, we could see them on the sounder, couldn't get them to bite. We could see them feeding on mullet. We tried everything we, we could to get them to bite. We ended up getting a couple of small windows, probably one just after high tide, one about mid-tide, and another one just as at low tide as the first push started to come in the coastals. We only really got three barra that trip, but lots on, and it was entertaining. They were biting. We just couldn't get the hooks to stick. And the size of the three barra, jackpot? Well, I caught the first barra in the boat, which is the main part. I got the first barra in the new boat. <laughs> yeah. But then me mate, he caught the biggest, which was 83 centimetres. That's on the record. I heard I heard the yeah, way yeah, you said we, that. We got it. Which subtext was, <laughs> get that on the record. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, so then to the little Howard, mate, how did that fish? Yeah, again, it was pretty hard. Um, we had to wait for the water to clear up. We got a few threadies, but um, we had to wait for low tide as the water cleared. Um, we probably only had about a 15, 20-minute bite window there mm. where we got a couple of bar, but it was definitely hard. You could see them. There was heaps of fish on the sounder and big fish, but couldn't get them to bite. 66 was the biggest. Do any crabbing? Yeah, got heaps of crabs. I'm not a crabber, but I um, throw the pots out on the way to a fishing spot, quickly get them out of the boat and pick them up at the end of the day. And Yeah, we had heaps of crabs out of Shoal Bay. Only took five pots. And it wasn't just Barry you dropped on that trip, though, hey? Yeah, no, no, there was a there was a little bit of a mishap. I I took me um, nephews out and um, we caught a fish, and as we wandered in, he um, dropped the rod. Yeah. About three hours later, um, the same young fella hooked that rod, and he was redeemed. He, he wound it in. There was no fish, and I even got me lure back. Oh, oh, how about that? Within hours. That's hardly any time for the salt water to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday jackpot, you hit some uh, floating structure in East Arm for a 59. What's your strategy over there in East Arm? And what's floating structure mean? Yeah. Things that float on top of the water. Like a log? Uh, well, the things that go in those floating structures might resemble a log to some people. Oh. Um, hit the um, Elizabeth River and uh, 
there was plenty of fish in Elizabeth, but again, we only got the bite window just after, um, on the first push of the incoming tide. After low tide, there's two creeks, and what had happens is uh, there was a bit of dirty water, and in between the two creek mouths, there was um, a, a flat with some rubble on it, and we just sat there with the kids and put back some liveys and flicked the creek mouth and let the liveys out the back, and we got a, a few small fish, but um, only one that was 59 that was legal. Good session though, man. How do you find this time? Are you gamefully unemployed or how do you structure life to fish this much? I have a very, very good wife. Um, yeah, she, she works afternoon shift and we've got a bit of, bit of a deal going. So she works the Arvo shift and so I get the kids, oh. get them um, oh. after school, get them ready in the bed and get everything sorted during the week. And that at least gives me one day of the weekend to go fishing. But uh, there's plenty of times on the weekend I get both days. And like last weekend, I got all three. Yeah, that's what I'm noting, mate. You run the you run the swapsies. It's a good technique for a happy life. The swapsies and harness yeah. harness that piece of gold that you just heard. Fishos. The key to a good fishing career is to have a very good wife and or husband. Yes, or partner. Uh, so and you're chasing Dewey's this weekend coming. My wife decided that she's off to. Port Douglas for the weekend with some girls, so I've um, got the kids and going to go out and chase some jewfish, um, probably one of the fads or in the, uh, the harbour somewhere. So Jackpot, we've got to ask then, what does the name have to do with fishing? Because we're reliably informed there is some sort of a relationship between the nickname and the fishing. Well, I've always been a tinny person, so I'll buy a raffle, meat tray, always seem to pick up one of them, and my brother gave me the name and... And it's come through on a few fishing trips. Before I moved to the Territory, I lived down south and would do the annual one or two trips up here a year. And this trip, we hired a houseboat in the Gulf of Carpentaria and spent 10 days on it. And as you do after 10 days with a fair bit of banter with six blokes, we um, were swearing like troopers. So we started a bit of a swear jar. Basically, first night at the pub, they handed the money to me from the swear jar and said, we better invest this. And um, so I went for a wander off into a poker machine. And Hang on, hang on. How much was in the swear jar? 200 bucks. How much was it per swear word? 50 bucks per swear word. We thought oh, we'd I... better get it under control quick. Well, you've got it under control. Wow. So it only happened four times and people went, whoa, this is too expensive. That is how you, Stop dropping the that's how you implement policy. <laughs> yeah, it is. Make it expensive <laughs> with a big, nasty hip pocket stick. Anyway, you got 200 bucks. They gave it to you because you are jackpot. You went where? Pokies. I went to the pokies for mm-hmm. a start, turned that 200 into 700 in about 10 minutes, and I walked out and I put that into the um, kitty and then... We were sitting around the tower bees and we started just betting on horses and having a bit of fun and it kept growing <laughs> and we kept ha- we kept spending more and more time in pubs and took an extra few days to get home. I think it was because you kept winning. Day, we went from three day trip home to a seven day trip home. <laughs> what, what did the kitty end up at, Jackpot? We only went like two hundred k's on the last day and decided we better put some money in, so stopped at a pub. And we ended up with, after shouting the bar and drinking and having a heap of money, we ended up with about 2000 left over. Wow. There you are, Jackpot. So what's your, what's your son's name then? <laughs> Jack. Jack? What's your, yeah. what's your daughter's name? Grace. Your car's name? Jackpot. What about the new boat you mentioned? What are you going to call that? Well, there's a bit of a family debate going on at the moment. My um, daughter believes that the car's named after Jack. Um, so she wants the boat to be named after her. So she wants the boat to be called Grace Pot. 
Grace so Potts. Thinking... <laughs> you nice. got to do, Love mate. It. I mean, that's not it's not the best rap uh, name you, you've you've ever seen, but you don't have a choice. I don't think I do. Grace I'm, um, Potts. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get the wife to um, change her number plate to Grace Pot. <laughs> so you that way so? I can get me back. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, it's so good, man. Uh, Lovely to talk to you, Jack Pot, and thanks for the uh, comprehensive wrap of what is just standard fare for you. Another scintillating fishing long weekend away, mate. Keep it up and hope you have a good one on the Jewies. Cheers, fellas. Have a good one. Now, in case it wasn't clear, Tim, it was Jack Pot's winning streak that paid for the whole King Ash Bay fishing trip. Hmm. So... You see what I'm saying? When he said two grand left, he meant two grand left after oh. everything was already paid for yeah. for these blokes. Yeah, yeah, so after cost. So after fuel and food and beer and that seven-day bender trip on the gargle and on the punt on the way home. Correct, correct. Well, that is exce- that is exceptional jackpotting by jackpot, isn't it? It is, it is. And regarding grey spot, well... Oh, yeah, it's I mean, fine. It What's could, wrong with it? It could be worse. It could be worse. That'd be way worse. It's Look, it's good enough. It's fine. You just... And you don't have a choice, mate. Your boat's now called Grace Pot. She's your daughter. Here we are. It's bloody Saturday. Back on the bong. Secret location bong this time because there was a lot more people here this time and maybe the tinnies, maybe they should not zip out swear words and zip out locations. <laughs> Nah, it was my fault. I said it. Anyways, on the b- it's Pete from Humpty Doo and Jenny, the super snorer. Where you reckon? You reckon we'll get a couple? Oh, Let's go smack some baz. Actually, better, better chuck a uh, beverage there, mate. <sighs> Cheers. Next stubby calls, I think. Oh, we just have to drink them, drink them quicker. Oh, yep. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're like hitting them, but not fully, fully. Yeah. Oh, look over there now, too. Up there. Holy shit. That's like 15 bars sitting in a little school. That's crazy. Stuff you dream of, eh? Look at them all swooping at it, too. Look at that. Oh. <laughs> look at this. Oh. That is so good. So, went for a bush poo. Just decided to uh, have a bit of a flick. And what did you get, mate? All I heard was screaming, like, ah! I'm like, ah, the crocs got her. It's only a matter of time. Ten foot tenny. Big billabong. Bloody barra. That's a big, fat, 65 centimetre baz, I reckon. We haven't measured it. We better get some pictures. Do you want me to hold it up? Look at that. It cut my finger. Because I didn't On use the it there. All right. Really, you just grabbed it. Yeah. You're nuts. <laughs> What is she? Yep, 65 on the dot. Nice. It's a bloody good place to be, this barra. At every turn, clearly brought in to the Majestic Vessel's alluring paint job. Red Go Fast sticker and Bundy's and vodkas aboard. And beer. Every cast guaranteed barra Monday. Dreams come true. Oh, yep. <laughs> Why? Get out of the way. Yep. There we go. Like I said, every day's a bloody good day. Call 1-800-Pete from Humpty Doo.
Look at Dylan's old die eye. It's fun, man. So, you know that award-winning pumpkin at the show this year we were talking about earlier? Yes. Given, you know, their disproportionate number of pumpkin, large pumpkin fetish, fetishes in the Church of the Tinny. Um, I've got the stats now. It was a fair bit bigger than Rudy's. Uh, like heaps bigger. Uh, Rudy's was 30 kilos. I don't remember what Kai Hansen up at Goat Island, his, uh, his record was. Uh, but the Country Hours Matt Brand chatted to this year's winner about his one. 281 kilos. Are you doing anything special during the growing period? Because this is huge. I grow it organically. I don't use any pesticide and they love a lot of nitrogen. You have to hand pollinate. Uh, and then, uh, of course, you have to be uh, careful it doesn't get sunburnt. I've been told it's the biggest pumpkin ever to be shown in, a, in the Northern Territory. How does that make you feel? Uh, well, it's, from now on, um, it's sort of a letdown. Um, what do I do now? Telling you to buy higher and higher, uh, that's more pressure for me. Doesn't that, more than anything, unequivocally link fishing and giant pumpkin growing? You get your dream fish or pumpkin and it's great, yet strangely deflating. You're suddenly devoid of purpose and drive. You know, that's been driving you for your entire life up until that point. Apparently they craned it onto his ute to transport it. Rudy just carried his and, and put it on the passenger seat. It's still an excellent pumpkin, Rudy. It's outstanding. It's outstanding. <laughs> and Tim, can I just say this? Um, there is a nexus here that I see, and that is consistency. To, to grow the pumpkin yes. or to land the barra or the fish, it requires consistency. It does. And persistence. And that's actually something The Rock's once said. He, oh, I, no. I, I want to I quote The Rock. Rock. The Rock says this. He says, success isn't always about greatness. It's about consistency. Yeah. Consistent hard work gains success and then greatness. I, I feel Greatness like, will come. I feel like that was entrapment. Did you see the fish, uh, the photo, sorry, from Dwayne Devaney on, um, on Facebook? I, it, is, it is stunning. The trout. No, the cod. Oh, the cod, yes, so, I did. So what it said to me, you can see it at ABC Tales and on Facebook, it shows just how far camo fishing wear has come. Yes, yes. If it wasn't for the fiery red beard in this pic, it'd just look like a rock cliff with hands coming out of it, <laughs> with no kind of holding nothing. Yes. Because he's got a cod that's exactly the same colourings as his shirt, that's exactly the same colourings as the surroundings behind him in this rocky cliff. So... It's no wonder the fish fell for it. You know, he was very much in his fishing wear, uh, mimicking the habitat uh, from which he extracted the fish. Go and have a look at it, fishers. It's, it's an excellent example of fishing fashions and the effectiveness of it. ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. And we spoke before, Tim, about the weather and the outlook here, predicting yes. an early rainfall onset for the season across most of northern Australia. Listening to the bomb talking this week uh, on ABC Radio, Darwin, talking about the negative Indian Ocean dipole, that's one of the drivers yeah. at the moment. So yes. it's that warm water to the north, to the northwest of us. All over the dipole. We're more influenced by the dipole. We're more interested in the dipole than we move to the MJO later on. Mm-hmm. So it's all, it's, focus. All, all shaping up. it's all shaping up pretty pretty early. But look, I'm, I'm actually excited, I think, like I touched on before. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? There, there is that sort of inverse relationship between jock rot on one hand and aggressive barra on the other scale. Yeah. 
I'd like to refer to that and coin right now the Jockrot to Lua Hit Index, the JRLH Index. So Jockrot higher, Lua Hit higher. Yeah. It's it's not inverse. It's a proportionate relationship. So com- coming to November, the GRLH will be peaking. Yep. Um, come November, probably early December, when you get those first showers and you're really carrying a bit of moisture in the jocks. Yep. And the barrow is still hitting very well. And then back into next year, obviously 2022 in July, uh, no jock rot. Oh, we've very, got a very, very low. Very comfortable, but you're not going to catch any fish. Yes, we've got a very low JRLH. JR- yes, yeah. very good. Uh, from Glenn, just going to leave this here for anyone that forgets their buff on the next big trip or rocks up at the shops and realise they forgot their mask. Uh, the pick he sent is of undies wrapped around the face <laughs> and then back over the head. So it, it looks better than you're probably imagining, fishos. Take Take our word for it on that one. And from Jemima, you might remember her from a couple of weeks back, Andy. She bought a boat and then had to remind her hubby that it was hers. Yes. But really theirs. But really, really hers. hers. I do. Uh, anyway, she sent a pic of, her, uh, of herself looking very smarmy indeed with three big bucks in front of her on a brand new Go Fast Delilah uh, fish measuring sticker. Showed the blokes where the big bucks are again, she said. This time, with the help of Delilah, Darwin Harbour seems to be holding uh, all the crabs. Cheers, blokes. Awesome. And finally, from Bree, uh, she writes, Hey, Tales from the Tinny. Now, my husband, Wilbur Wilson, mm. listens to the podcast every week, and he's also sent pics and stories in um, over the past. Now, they live on the border down there of New South Wales and Victoria, Tim. That's, uh-huh. that's Mildura. And they both, both love to fish. Wilbur's been fishing up in Dundee every year for eight years, mm-hmm. she writes. So every June, July, he does a, a big trip, a 10-day trip, but she'd never been to the NT. Mm-hmm. So here's the way it goes. In September last year, he's popped the big question to her yes. and asked uh, if they could actually do a surprise wedding. And what better place for the surprise? Oh, let me guess. Let's not get married in Mildura. No. Why don't we go to the Northern Territory and get married At- so I can be married during or as part of... My fishing trip. Correct. And yes. D- Dundee was the destination. Well done, Wilbur. Very straight bat. Hits it for four. So fast forward to the 27th of June this year. Just on sunset, right? The big moment is just there. Oh, and yeah. at lunchtime, the shit hits the fan and Darwin enters lockdown. So what else What else do you do, Tim, in an NT lockdown? Beers, 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 beers. Bottle line, bottle line, bottle line. <laughs> that's, I think that apparently that's what you do. Or as Pete from Humpty Doo puts it. Red Go Fast sticker and Bundy's and vodkas aboard. And beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So they reschedule with the celebrant um, for Tuesday the 29th, only to get cancelled again. Oh, no. <laughs> The next day, Alice Springs Airport announced uh, as a hotspot, gets yeah. announced as a hotspot, so they go straight into Darwin for isolation testing. Oh, that, that's gr- her. oh great, great, because she was there. Anyway, after all that, uh, it finally came together for them, and on the 3rd of July, Saturday the 3rd of July, overlooking Dundee, where it was all meant to happen the first time, <laughs> right on sunset, they had their reception. They sang too much karaoke. <laughs> they were absolutely hung over the next day. Uh, what better day then to do her first trip to the Finnis? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yes, with a thumping headache. At which she landed her very first barra. Oh, true. And to Wilbur Wilson, she writes, I won the lotto with him, changed my life for the better, and I'm the luckiest girl in the world. Do you know what? You are, and that, that's testament to what we said earlier in the show, Tim, whereby yeah. there's now a, a proportionate graph relationship here between having a good partner, winning the lotto on the partner side, yes, and having a good fishing career. And that is what these guys have got. Congratulations, Bree and Wilbur. Well done. 
Shoot it, share it, shout it. Give us a hoy. He's a man who doesn't really need an introduction, Tim. Um, but we'll do one anyway because okay, good. That, that's Thank in our you. that's in our job description <laughs> to introduce people before we speak to them. Uh, he is this bloke, very famous for long, boring trolls for huge barren. In fact, he's famous for quite a few things. He's famous for his uh, circumspect awareness of the importance of wearing clean undies, for instance. Oh, I know the guy now. Yeah, yeah you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. He's, and there's perhaps one thing that, that he's most famous for, uh, and that is the, the ladder that he has strapped to his car stick as a mm. means of, of sight casting Barra. The dependence on it and the enthusiasm for it, the ladder. The ingenuity, mm. absolutely. Mm. So he is Craig Latz Latmore, uh, and he's just done what he reckons, Tim, is the best harbour fishing ever. Yeah, but queries as to which harbour prior to the chat no doubt, were fruitless. So, um, <laughs> let's, let's try another technique here, because I know what's coming. Uh, can you blink twice if it was Bino Harbour? Yeah, I, 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 yep, did you hear him? I heard it. I heard the, I heard the island. I heard the blink. So, Bino. We'll just say it's Bino because he blinked. Uh, you hit it with <laughs> you hit it with Bulchy, mate. Big tides. Um, how did you execute the best... Harbour fishing ever, and don't just say you trolled for ten hours. No, we only trolled probably maybe two hours a day. Yeah. It's only over a specific part of the time. All the rest is casting. Spent about four or five hours on the ladder, and well, I did. And Bolchi and Bolchi went up there, and he goes, "Bloody hell, it's high." <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so the ladder's the, the ladder's still paying dividends, is it? Oh, hundred percent. There's a part there where. Current, the fish are coming off the flat and we're uh, mooching along. And I'm going, there's one, there's one. And Bolt is going, where are they, where are they? But we passed probably 50 barra. Wow. And how were they biting? The first day, they were all over our plastics on the on the flat. And, you know, they were charging out from the mangroves at them. And the second day, it was crystal clear the first day. The second day, it was slightly murky. And we thought, oh, it's going to pay in our favour. Didn't get a touch. They just, even if you put the plastic on the bottom three metres ahead of them, when they got close to start swimming it, they'd scatter. Really? You'd almost think the reverse, wouldn't you? Should be yeah, the case. everyone would have. Well, you obviously, yeah. that's what you expected, the yeah. reverse. Yeah, we couldn't believe it. We'd, like the second morning, we cast at probably 50-odd barra and didn't even get a look in. What's the theory there? What do you reckon was going on? No, we well, we had no idea. In the end, we, we still had time on the flat, and we just said, oh, let's go somewhere else because it's not happening here, even though we can see Barra everywhere. So on the clear water day, um, talk us through tide windows, mate, when it was working best and then when you moved into trolling and then when you when you came back to the flats, which I suppose is how you did it. Uh, we started at high tide and um, sort of as high on the flat as we can. You know, you, you sight cast a few there and... Um, occasionally they're in amongst the mangroves and then as the tides drops you move out in front of the mangroves and they're obviously they need to get off the flat and you just follow them out and then around the low tide you have a bit of a trial and you know as the tide changes all those fish scatter somewhere and you just chase drains and baby mangroves then yeah the, the prime time we're always told um is when the water's but, moving either out of or into those juvenile Mangroves, you know, just starting to come off the flat or just pushing back onto it, yeah? Yeah, that first day, I mean, we started fishing at around 7 in the morning. That first fish that Bolty got, you could see the, um, there was just mist everywhere. You couldn't see anything. Mm. And the entire day, there wasn't an hour go by that we didn't catch a fish or had 
you know, lost fish until about three or four in the afternoon. Great fun. What sort of sizes are we talking? Uh, we end up landing 20 fish. And 11 of those were in the 70s, up to 78. Geez, surprising for that harbour you blinked twice about. Yeah. (laughs) There was no blinking. So it wasn't Bino. (laughs) Can you blink once if it was Darwin Harbour? I'll blink three times for Sydney Harbour. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Good good size fish anyway, um, Lats, and, and, and up to 20 in whichever harbour it was, is is a damn good um, day out. How many of those 20 barra on cast do you think the ladder accounted for or was attributable to? I reckon three quarters of the fish I either spotted for Bolchi or myself and were caught because okay. of the ladder. 75%. Pretty good. Yeah. Now, you've been doing some guiding off Dundee too. Um, how's that been? How's, how's the fishing out at Dundee? Oh, it's been great. I did one yesterday, and there was Spaniards on tap. You know, as soon as we got there, they were flying out of the air. True. Asked the punters if they brought their helmets. <laughs> yeah. Put two lures out. They lasted 10 seconds. Oh, wow. Um, both got – there was so many mackerel just fighting for the lure. We ended up getting them on floating garfish down on gangs because we ran out of lures. Oh, what, what fun, mate. But dropping baits in blue water and trolling in blue water, this is novel for you. <laughs> I do a lot more blue water fishing than what everyone knows. Oh, really? Oh. Well, do you do, you don't expect us to call you Captain Lats now that you're a guide, do you? Because it's not going to happen. Ah, good. How are you going keeping up the chipper banter amongst the boat with, like, the tourists? Uh, the, the blue water's pretty good. I mean, you're always sort of catching fish. You have quiet times, but you, you move and move and move and you find some. Yeah, but the, the barrow fishing's been hard. When you do half days, it's sort of, you know, you get three or four chances um, sometimes on a good day. And if you don't cast accurately or you wind too fast, they don't do it every day. It's not their fault. But. I had a, yeah, but I had a, a barrow following this plastic and I said, he's on it, he's on it, he's on it. And he just boofed it and he pulled it out of its mouth. And I thought, oh, okay, keep going. <laughs> How, how do you hide the disdain for that sort of complete numpty that just doesn't listen to a thing you say? This is where I would fail as a guy. And, and look, I would suspect Lats fails, you know, dismally at hiding his disdain. Would that be right, Lats? I, I wear a head sock. A head, a head sock so they can't see the look on your face. Yeah. Yes. Oh, good on you, Lats. You must really be enjoying it, uh, doing, doing a bit of it for a living, mate. And thanks for sharing the update on, um, on whatever bloody harbour it was with you and Bolte. Um, great session, man. Cheers, mate. Good old lats there, having a great time, for the most part, until the tourists start to annoy him and he has to put a head sock on to hide his disgust in their poor cast and retrieve. And I was talking to Lats previously, Tim, about the ladder. I'm quite intrigued by the ladder. Mm. And he just sort of it just rolled off the tip of his tongue. He said, yeah, I'm running a 900 mil. Uh, mate of his is running a twelve hundred, and yeah. so they're talk, they're it's, talking now about it's ladders. The lingo, isn't it? It's they're talking about ladders like the shaft on an electric motor, yeah. or, or some other marine part. If you want to know more about how to fish with them, uh, how to strap it down, and the benefits, go back to episode four hundred and seventy-eight. When seventy-eight we, or seventy-nine? Yeah, it was one of those. One of those. Uh, yeah. When we did a whole piece um, with these guys about the uh, the ladder phenomenon. And just to round that out, Tim, um, when Lats runs his twelve hundred. 
when he's standing on it, it actually puts him 3.7. So his eyes, 3.7 metres above the waterline. Yeah, that, and that's why that he's seeing... That's a fair advantage. That's why he's increasing his catch rate by 75%. Yeah. What if, what, what if you put a sticker on the ladder? That is compound interest. Yeah, that is. Red, fast and free. Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Some say it was calibrated by NASA to within a thousandth of a micron. Some say it's been printed over a billion times. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get yours. This is Jono from Daily, mm. who writes, just opens up with this, Bishops of the Church. That's nice. It is. I'm not a fisho, but I love the show. I also love a good broad church, but not the broad church of the CLP. Oh, hang on. Hang on. We're apolitical, aren't we, Andy? We on, are. On the we we yeah. are, but we are. The, the very nature of a broad church is such that it doesn't matter. Well, specifically when it comes to politics, we, we're apolitical in so much as we support all churches who fund the TFT FFP, that is the Tales from the Tinny Fishing First Party. So, yep. so that's the CLP, the ALP, the Coalition, the Nats, the Greens, the Libs, and all the miners, the lot of them, all great funders and contributors to the TFT FFP. So just edit that bit out, would you, Andy? Yep. No they are all valuable props. donors to our political party. So let's um, let's chop that and move on. Thanks, Jono. Yep. And keep those funds rolling in. Yes, please. Now, in case you missed this story about feral US goldfish, uh, writes Jono, and he quotes... Wildlife officials in Virginia warned recently that pet owners should never release their aquatic organisms into the wild after an angler caught a 16-inch goldfish. Mm. 16 inches. Another one was one and a half feet, he writes. That's between a third and a half of a metre. It's nearly as big as a feral cat in Kakadu. And it won't be long before feral goldfish in the USA go to metering status. Think about it, Fishos, he says. A metre long goldfish. Wow, he is really thinking about it. Imagine the fight to get that thrashing monster over the sides of the tinny. He cannot Fishos. stop thinking about it. I guess the point of this uh, sad tale of woe from the land of the free is that aquatic health is everyone's business. That is true, Jono. Biosecurity, feral species control, and not being a d- is everyone's business. Hear, hear, Jono. Hear, hear. Not letting carp, uh, brackets, goldfish, and other feral species into our rivers and billabongs is everyone's ha, ha, business. Ha, hang on, Andy. Andy, this is starting to sound like a sermon from the milk crate. Well, it is, isn't it? Maybe we should hand the mic over to Jono on the daily himself. He, he's going to do a better job than you or I here because it's sounding very much like, it's sounding to me like he's revving us up. He's girding our loins for battle in another election here. Well, can, yeah, you, can you feel the momentum in his correspondence I, I, building I, I getting can, louder? And, I can hear it. I can picture it. I can, I can feel it. And aren't there local government elections coming up anyway, Tim? Yeah, that's it. He, that's what he's doing. He's making us angry and inspired at the same time. He's telling us he wants us to have another tilt at power, isn't he? I reckon he is. Well, let, let, let's let him do it. So to all the fishos of the Tinny Church, the pious, the acolytes, the clergy, I would say this. It is incumbent on all fishos and church members to do all they can to protect our collective pristine waters that are full of the Creator's greatest gift to humanity, the fish. Brethren and sistren of the church, without our cleansing pristine waters, we won't have pristine fish. We won't have any fish. And if we do, they may be feral goldfish. Carp, basically. Or piranhas. Right now, all of our sacred water sites, full of our sacred fish, are under attack. 
under attack from the filthy merchants that have infiltrated the temple of our pristine waters and the bountiful fish we share those waters with. The filthy merchants have also infiltrated the houses of our valued parliament and thoroughly corrupted the very souls of those we elect to protect our sacred temples. The merchants have also infiltrated the lobbyists who claim to want to protect the temple, but then say nothing to do so. Those with forked tongues should not be trusted, fishers. We have to take a leaf out of old mate's book and kick the merchants out of our temples, out of our parliament, out of your lobby groups. We can do this with our ballots, our credit cards, our fishing rods, and our tinnies. The time has come, fishers, where all members of the church need to act together to protect our pristine fish and the waters they depend on. And as always, fishers, may the bountiful mullet of our pristine waters always be up you. Any questions? All of a sudden, the inside of my reel broke, taking runs and going under the boat. But I managed to get it in. That was the main thing. An amazing, thrilling experience. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get a mullet up ya. <laughs> Tim, we spoke to Lats before about his own quest to hunt the almighty Barrett this mm. time of the year. Um, believe it or not, not far away, in fact, 100 kilometres or so, there was another bloke sort of pushing his way through the, the thick fog mm. in search of the elusive Barrett. Mm. How's this for a promo, right, in terms of the results? Mm. The fishing was so good that the three fishos on board the particular vessel decided that they needed uh, a landing net mm. and a set of bogger grips. Each. Each. Three nets. That Three grips. Doesn't that paint a picture? What, what does that tell you? It tells me that the skipper can't get the net to his decky's fish in time. Meanwhile, the other decky is calling for boga grips, uh, and now the skipper himself is on. It tells me that regularly there is more than one fish. <laughs> I mean, to it, drum it down, yeah. that's what it's telling it us. It tell, tells me it's epic. The, the skipper behind that epicness was Matty Cook. Stop saying that. Matty, uh, I hear you've been down Woods Inlet way. Oh, come on. Woods Inlet? Don't say it's Woods Inlet. Was it Woods Inlet? Woods Inlet sounds great. Um, <laughs> Give us something. But it was, it was, well, it was, it was, it was Dundee. How about that? Creek? Dundee. Let's Dundee say, Creek. Let's say Creek's around Dundee. Sounds good. You don't carry three landing nets and three sets of bogus on your boat, do you? No, but I need to. I need to now, <laughs> definitely, after that. After that crazy session, look, we were we were sounding up, uh, trying to look for um, you know a few bar or whatever, and uh, uh, on the side scan there was all of a sudden there was five, ten, twenty, a hundred, just fish. It was looked like that the boat had gone over the top of a bait ball, but it wasn't a bait ball; it was a barrel ball. There were maybe hundreds, hundreds of fish. One of the other boys, uh, Nate, was getting, yeah, all, all, as soon as he dropped a vibe, it was on. And then everyone just changed straight over to, uh, to vibes. But, um, and then it was on. And it was on triple hookup. There was a point where we were having arguments saying, you know, quickly get the net. Oh, I'm too busy. I'm trying to get the net. I'm trying to get the fish in. Um, come and give me a hand. You know, it was almost like, yeah, it was a, bit of, a little bit mayhem. Barramundi fishing bedlam. Definitely, we'll be doing three bogers 
and and three nets, you know, because that was just absolutely out of control. And how long did this crazy bite window last for? So we actually had to leave. Like it would probably went for about two hours. You know, there was like, you know, metery fish in there. Unfortunately, we didn't get any, but we're averaging size between 70s and 80s. Um, I'd say we got, say, 40 fish in about two hours. It was the bottom of the tide, probably the first the first 40 minutes of the push-in. Mm-hmm. And I'd tell you, bait everywhere. Like, there was so much bait, you could see on the surface, the like the, the, the water was boiling with it, and it was like 100 metres. Like, it was just ridiculous. So, obviously, the barra had chased in a massive amount of bait as well. So yeah. very, very healthy, very healthy system. Perfect timing and perfect aligning of all the conditions required. I've always done very well, like, dry season barra fishing. Like, you know, I know many of the fish shows, the runoff is, is, is the game. But um, if, you're, if you're a dry season, it's nice weather, you're not sweaty, you're having an awesome day, and then, you, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's those moments that, you know, that lasts for such a long time. And then if you're, if you're you know, going into a, a crazy session, a barra session like that, I mean, that, that, that sort of stuff stays with you forever, you know, just epic. At the end of the day, the barra need to feed. They are sulky a lot of the times, but if you get them into, you know, you know or it's that they are into a raging torrent, I mean, and you're there, happy days. Now, how'd you go on the reef? The Goldies just grew from 60s to 70s. And we had to leave. I like we got our bag limit, <laughs> and it, like it was forty minutes, forty minutes cold trout. Yeah, massive, massive cod. Uh, we even I, we I, even had a sailfish come up. I think Andy was hoping you would say, "Oh no, we just caught tiny trickies and and stripies." <laughs> For me and the boys, that was definitely the best for a couple of years. Like. Amazing. You know, everything, everything, everything we, we, you know, we said we were going to go and do, we did in spades. As, as we're talking to you here and this is unfolding, I'm just wondering, did you, did you break a trailer spring or something on the way home? Uh, he, he, want, he wants a <laughs> bit of bad news to this, hang on to. This man. cannot be that good. He, he want, he's trying to humanise you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, we, um, I've, I mean, since last time I think I spoke to um, you fellas, uh, I sold sold the boat, had a barrow boat, beat the bullet and bought a, an American Bay boat. I heard you've been waiting for something like two years, haven't you? Oh, wow. There was a delay. There was no motors in America, so I had to wait a delay for that. And then it, I think it was like an eight-month wait to get it to build because no one in America was going travelling. So everyone in America bought boats. There was a fire on the ship, so the boat had to go back. Mine is the only one with a T-top. There's only certain place, certain spots that it can go onto the ship, so they stuffed that up, and then they went on another ship to go to the Panama Canal, and they waited for about two weeks. Couldn't get through there about two thousand ships, and then it had to go the other way around the world. You got a two hundred or bigger? Uh, it's a two fifty SHO. I've just upgraded, put um, twin bladders to take it up to 420 litres of fuel. There's something to grab onto. I mean, this is a sweet boat. However, Andy, hang on to this. Yeah. He just had to add custom fuel bladders to keep up with how much juice it chews. Yeah, so the so cu- he didn't break a spring or anything. No, no, but it's... But he's spending a lot on juice. Yeah, it's, he's spending oh. a lot of money on the fuel. and so, But at least that gets you... So that gets you from the boat ramp to the finis and back? Yeah, that's about it. Or it's, or it's, or it's basically a harbour run. If you're just going for yep. a drive and you break a spring or, like, 
run out of fuel or get a flat tire. <laughs> Can you just ring us up if you get a flat tire and we'll let Andy have a chat to you? Yeah. <laughs> no worries. He'll feel better. See, see, oh, see you, Maddie. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks, Mike. Cheers. Bye. I don't know about you, Tim, but I couldn't handle that sort of weight. I mean, 18 I, months. 18 months, a yeah. long time. I, I struggled to wait a few weeks for a lure or some line to arrive in the mail. Especially about considering all the whole comedy of errors that he went through. I mean, it's bad enough when you get that post-tracking thing that says your item is stuck in Winelli. Oh, yes. I mean, it's Winelli. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's 12 minutes away from anywhere. Yeah. But it's stuck um, in Winelli because someone's it, on sick leave that's and they've right. been away and it's, for and three been, weeks and it hasn't gone yet. It, it's been in Winelli for three weeks. <laughs> yes. what, how come I can't release my package? It's just in bloody Winelli. And I live in Winelli. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, so, it's so close to me, yeah. yet so far oh, yeah. away. Let alone, um, let alone a 2,000 ship backlog in the Panama Canal and a fire on the boat. I mean, that must have sucked. No wonder he's pleased to have it and be on it. Towels from the tinny, get a mullet. Just coming off the back of school holidays, Andy. What are some of your go-to activities? Oh, I don't know, maybe the water park again. Yep. Camping in the same spot again. For the 5th or 6th or 28th time. Yep, Crocosaurus again. Again. Darwin Festival when it's on, again. Uh, the trampolines, the bouncy trampolines, again. Again that, and yeah. again and again, yeah. All the ice skating again. Yeah. It's a fine list, man, worthy of um, of any territory parents attention but there is another activity we need to note in this case it's been performed by the progeny of Braden menzies over the last school holes okay i think you're going to like it although do fear that after hearing it you may want to commit to a a rather large purchase for your household which you'll find difficult to justify to your partner i'm curious now or maybe even justify to the church as it involves a vessel the esteem of which is perhaps questionable in the eyes of many fishers. Okay, I'm, I'm interested. What, what is it? Maybe just listen to it. G'day, I'm Tom Menzies. I'm Sam Menzies. And I'm Max Menzies. The Menzies boys, all sitting astride uh, their tuna-chasing toy. Tom, just want to explain what, what this is? Uh, it's a fishing jet ski with side panels. We chase tuna, pelagics, all sorts of uh, fish. And this is pretty much your school holidays, boys? Yeah, pretty much, most days. Uh, just wake up, ask Dad, text a mate, and go out to Lee Point or East Point or something, and then catch tuna. Who's got the most fish off the jet ski? Me. Eight tuna and about 15, 20 queenies at a Mac. Well, it has a sounder. Um, has like eskies on the side, it's got a kill tank out the back, it's got holders, it's just rod holders, yeah. And importantly, a chopping board. What, you don't have sashimi, you know, out there, <laughs> you know, on the water, do you? Nah, <laughs> we could, but... What's your strategy? Do you burn up to them as fast as you can, or do you kind of uh, watch where they're going and, and, and try to get a cast in, uh, uh, in front of them? See your bus, bus stops in the distance, just turn the engine as quick as you can, just zoom off, pray your mate doesn't fall off, and just get it there as quick as you can. When, when you get there, you gotta remember to turn the motor off, or else you'll scare the tuna. Yeah, she's really loud. Eh? Come here, guys! Quickly, 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 quickly! You, you catch one first. Flick over there. Flick over there. Yeah, cost, 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 cost. Oh, yeah, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Oh yeah, I'm oh, on, I'm on, oh. Oh. Yeah, I'm yes. on. Yes, let's oh. go! Come on, get the wrong chap. 
Oh, oh, rod tip tight, rod tip tight. Big tuna, oh, there it is. Your dad told me that um that you've actually got a, a speed limit cap on your adventures. Uh, Sam, do you want to tell me about that? Oh, it's about 80, 75, 80. Yeah. And what happens if you go above that exactly? Oh, you get banned for a week. It goes straight back to his phone and he knows. Yeah, he knows. So I'm kind of scared to drive the jet ski again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, Tom, tell me about some of these tuna. Um, all in that kind of 70 to 80 range or what? Uh, I've never got too many big ones personally. Uh, but yeah, mostly perfect eating size, good table tuna. And so how much tuna did you boys eat over the school holidays, Max? Just raw for me. And probably like a whole tuna. <laughs> About three tunas. Well, you're three grown boys. You can probably eat a lot of tuna, I imagine. And a lot of Mackies too. Well, let's go into that. How did you guys do on Mackies uh, over the holes? It's kind of hard in the jet ski. We drive on the spot, then at an anchor. So we kind of miss it to get a cast. And then we just, at the bottom, we're going to wind it fast. And then you'll get a hook up. Me and Dad is pretty funny, so I'd hook up, I'd get it to the top, I'd pass it to Dad, Dad would hand me a rod, I'd put it down and then I'd hook up and I'd give it to him and then we kept switching rods after you'd unply it and put it in the esky and then they'd give it back to me, so yeah, nice strap. Oh, it sounds pretty hectic, good little sessions. So Tom, what actually makes this su- such an ideal vessel for chasing tuna? It's quicker than it, uh, all the other boats out there, the little tinnies, so see if there's ever heaps of boats at Lee Point. We're usually the first ones there, which is good. But I don't think the uh, other fishers are happy though with us. But <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's good being it's good being there first, have a quick cast. But you can only have one one at a time though. Because uh, someone's got to drive and straighten up. But overall, it's pretty good. I know a double hookup sounds like it probably would be fairly hectic on this. Yeah, definitely. The tuna just swims around the jetty all the time. So when we're fighting. We're just passing the rods around and doing lap, they're just doing laps around the jet ski. The temptation must be there, boys, to go and, and, and chase some barra on it. Oh, definitely, but we would love to go up the shoal bay, uh, but Dad says no, there's a few too many crocs around being caught in the harbour this year, so yeah, Dad's and we're, we're weary of that. But yeah, we do have the side panels to protect us, but still don't want to risk it. I talked to a, a, um, a jet ski fisher a couple of years ago and he said that when you are on a boat and you wave to another fisher, 99% of the time they wave back, but when you're on a jet ski, that goes right down. You guys get a few waves out in the water or is it just disdain? Stairs. It's like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, look at these kids. Yeah. To be fair, it's probably a weird sight seeing a bunch of kids on a, on a jet ski in the middle of the harbour. So we get, yeah, we, we get a lot of glances from other boats, but uh, we like it. All right, gentlemen. Well, thanks for taking the time to show me around your your fine vessel. Look forward to hearing the next session. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Cheers. You want to be one of those Menzies boys. Oh, do I what? You want to actually be one. I do. I do. Back to the future, Doc. Take me back. I want to be one of the boys. doesn't, Doesn't that actually mean then that I want Braden as my dad. Oh, that's a problem. Yeah, because I don't. <laughs> so I want. You the, do want a jet ski. I though. want the jet ski, but I, I've already. Braden, you can be their dad. I've already got a dad who, <laughs> who, who I love very, very much. So, but I'll take the jet ski. <laughs> I'll take your jet ski, Braden. <laughs> as any young upstart fisher uh, aspire to these days, the boys have their own YouTube channel. Just search for Territory Boys.
Well, that's it from us for another week on Tales from the Tinny Fishos. Thanks for your company and, and thanks for all those that contributed uh, to Jackpot, to Pete from Humpty Doo. Thank you, Matty Cook. Uh, and thanks to the Brothers Menzies. And final thanks to Old Lats for really helping us introduce a new way in which to reveal a fishing spot without us even requiring the obligatory uh, woods inlet or north arm of the harbour. We just do this instead. Uh, can you blink twice if it was Bino Harbour? <laughs> <laughs> Have a good weekend, fish ocean. Until next weekend, get a blinky mullet right on. Right on. Right on. <laughs>